Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk to Be Well on the Future of Health. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, bringing you a real conversation on team mental health from the people that know best. Joining me today from the Work to Be Well Student Advisory Council are Sam, Grace, and Annie. Also joining us is Becca, who serves at YouthLine. Our discussion today is about depression. What are the signs? How do we handle it? And how can we help our peers? Remember everyone, if you have questions for us, we can be found at Wellbeing Trust on Twitter and Facebook and at the Be Well Student Advisory Council page on Instagram at work to be well. That's work, the number two, be well. Before we start, I want you to know that the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. And remember, we're not diagnosing anybody. We'll be discussing topics that might be triggering to some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to the youth line at 1-877-968-8491 or text TEEN to TEEN to 839-863. Again, that's TEEN, the number two, TEEN. Okay, let's get started by welcoming our panelists to the show. Thank you for joining us. I'd like each of you to take a moment, tell us about yourself and why you wanted to talk with us about depression today. Sam, why don't you kick us off? Hello, my name is Sam. I'm a sophomore and I uh, came to talk about depression because it ha- it's a reoccurring thing in my life. Okay. Annie, how about you? I'm a senior and I came here to talk about depression because I remember the first time I watched a TV show or heard something where someone talked about depression and it really meant a lot to know that it was visible and like pointed out in a piece of media. Grace? Um, I'm a senior and I'm here talking about depression because I believe it should not be considered a taboo subject. I think it needs to be taught regularly and I think it mental health is just as important as physical health. All right, and Becca. Hi, I'm Becca. Um, I'm a senior, um, and I just came here today to talk about depression because it's a very prevalent part of my life and people I know around me, and I think it's important that we let people know they're never as alone as they think they are. So how do you define depression? I mean, I'm a clinician. I know what the clinical definition is, but how do you talk about it? Annie? Um, I guess it's kind of hard because there is like the clinical definition like you were saying but also like I never want to invalidate someone who thinks that they may be depressed but they haven't gone to a doctor yet to like verify it on a medical standpoint so I guess I would define it as feelings of sadness and kind of just like numbness that go on for such a long time that you feel that um, it's not something normal and it's not caused by something that you fully understand. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's really hard to characterize it because there's a big difference between like depression and sadness and those things can overlap, but one necessarily isn't the other. But I think something that stuck out to me a lot was when my mom told me like, if it feels like it's hard to get through every day, then like that's not normal and there's something off there. So I tend to kind of go around that definition personally. I don't know if it relates to everybody, but every day shouldn't be a struggle in that sense. So. For me, depression feels like 
sinking in a really deep pool it's um i know people say you feel like you're in a hole or you feel like you're submerged or you feel like you're claustrophobic and for me it just felt like there was so much pressure all over my body and it felt like i was in the bottom of the ocean and there was so much just pressure and i couldn't breathe and it was just feelings of complete and utter sadness and hopelessness so in my case I wasn't suicidal but I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning and it's not that I wanted to die but it's that I didn't want to live and um, it just thinking about that then reinforced it and it was a vicious cycle so I mean the way that I would define it is uncontrollable feelings of just helplessness, hopelessness, sadness, anger, feelings that you can't shake, feelings that don't go away normally. I feel like the roller coaster of emotions is a very good way of describing it. It is going on a train of emotions that you want to stop but it won't really stop until there's a reason you know you all have brought up amazing examples that are are really visceral and really very um, descriptive and very personal why do you think it is these days do you think more teenagers are experiencing depression more young people are experiencing depression than they were before when why is that well, I know for me, it was very environmental. Um, I go to a, a high school in Portland, and uh, one of our classes in the curriculum is ethics. And uh, for me, it was, I had ethics every other day, and it was just, it was a constant bombardment of all of the, uh, all of the sadness and oppression in the world and I know that makes it sound like oh there's sadness in the world but I mean it just it it was like it was like uncontrollable empathy for it or sympathy I guess because I I haven't experienced any um oppression in my lifetime um and it was just watching like you know the forest is on fire people are dying there are gangs there are terrorists there are wars happening and um a big source of my depression was that I didn't understand why I was so fortunate. I am, um, well, I am fortunate. I can't go into detail, but I'm, I'm fortunate in my life. And, you know, I would just get bombarded, you know, the news every day, ethics, seeing other people's pain. I just, I didn't understand why everybody couldn't just like, why the world couldn't just be good. For me, it was the fact that the world was going on and as she said there were many problems with the world and I was just a person out of billions of people and I couldn't do anything about it and that was a really hard thing to think yeah, building off of what they just shared with us, I think we're in an age where 
we can't help but not know anything. So it's impossible to just step away from what's happening, whether it's just in your life or in the world through like, whether that's because of social media or just the media itself, like you can't not know. And that becomes such a burden at times. And it doesn't even have to be a large worldly problem. It could just be like, who's hanging out and you're not like simple things like that, that happen with teenagers very often. And I think also this generation, something I'm grateful for is that we're talking so much more about these things and trying to break these stigmas. But at the same time, that's revealing other underlying problems, like maybe your depression is stemming from this anxiety or something like that. So I think at the same time, it's bringing out so many things that we didn't realize were there. And it's very hard to kind of separate those different feelings that we're going through and almost see where they are coming from because there's so many reasons. Yeah, and kind of building on what everyone else says, I think like we kind of have this pressure to be okay. Like our generation has this pressure like that we didn't have, we don't have like a war going on in America. We don't have like all this other stuff like the Great Depression and stuff like that. So we have this pressure to be okay and to be happy with our lives, especially like going on social media. All you see is what's good about people's lives. And then you're like, why am I not like that? Everyone else is like that. Why am I not like that? So it kind of causes like this spiral, especially for people who are already experiencing depression. If they feel like like their feelings aren't valid and that they can't talk about it, then it just kind of makes it worse and kind of just builds all that, all those negative feelings up. You know, you all have raised some really good points about how the news cycle, the 24-hour news cycle, I can remember when I was a kid, the news came on at six o'clock and the local news then came on, that was the national news, and the local news came on at 6.30 and then you didn't have news again until later in the evening. You all have lived in a world where the news cycle is constant and it's in your face everywhere you go. And that, I think, has a bigger impact than we think. And I want to talk a little bit more about that when we come back after this break. I was only walking through your neighborhood Saw you light on honey in the cold I stood anywhere I go, there you are Anywhere I go, there you are I've been getting used to waking up with you I've been getting used to waking up here Anywhere I go, there you are Anywhere I go, there you are There you are, there you are You're the fire and the flood Late at night when you can't 
And we're back with Talk to Be Well and our guests from Youthline and Work to Be Well Student Advisory Council. We're talking today about depression, and this conversation may be triggering for some listeners. If you know someone who is struggling, please call Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text teen to teen at 839-863. That's teen, the number two, teen. Let's come back to the conversation we were having about social media and the impact of social media on depression and that kind of fear of missing out and how those things play a role. Grace, you wanted to share a little more in that. My mother and I have had so many talks about how FOMO is such a real thing, the fear of missing out. Um, And I know that a lot of people might dismiss it as just, oh, well, no one likes to feel left out. I agree. That's a bad feeling. But if you have some kind of underlying disorder or or you're prone to uh, anxiety attacks, it, it's a lot more than just, wow, they're having fun without me. It's like, wow, they're having fun without me. That means that they didn't want to have fun with me. That means that they don't want to hang out with me, that they don't want to be my friend. That means that they don't like me. What else don't people like me? And it's a huge spiral. Another thing on that, uh, I think that why our generation is so mentally not healthy is because we're the first generation to have grown up with iPhones, computers, easy access to the internet. Um, I mean, the iPhone came out in 2008 and I have been growing up with that kind of technology. And so it's just, it's always been 24 hour news cycles and people hanging out and, and, pretty beautiful skinny women on the internet and you know advertisements and it's just very overwhelming you bring up a really good point about that social impact of that there's a kind of a myth out there that says people who are socially active can't be depressed I'm wondering what you think about that can someone who's really socially active and out there also be depressed absolutely um I think a lot of people who are socially active, it's kind of like you can put on this mask where you're doing fine. And even people who are in the darkest holes, like you are able to put on a mask and walk through your life seeming fine. And I think one of the most frustrating things, and like this has been said to me, is like, my God, you're like the happiest person I've ever met. Like you look like you're doing so well and you're like, like it's so easy. And I think we've been, since you can like hide behind social media, it kind of ties into that. Like it's so easy to have people perceive you one way when you really feel another way. And that also, going back to social media, that kind of brought up for me, like we've created an unattainable view of what happiness is. And in my personal opinion, like I don't think complete happiness exists. Like it's this, a very like American thing that like we need this and this to be happy in life. But I think 
I, I, I use a better word like content. Like what can I do to like leave the day feeling more so content or leaving like that experience feeling content? Cause I think if you're depressed, happy is like, that's where you're supposed to be. But like, it's so hard to get to whatever happy is. Can the internet bring you joy? I think that in circumstances that like Grace just described, it can bring a lot of just like harm to oneself because of all those expectations. Um, but I do think that it could bring joy because I know like for me, whenever I felt down, I would have like this YouTube playlist that I would put like all these like happy videos of like dogs and like music performances and stuff in there. And that would be like what I would go to. Like maybe it didn't fix everything, but I had something to go to. And I think like that access of stuff that you can just go to and help yourself feel a little bit better, like that can do so much for a person. That's a really, really good point. So what are some of the external signs that you look for when you might think either you're becoming depressed or, or maybe someone you care about is depressed? What do you look for? It's hard to have external signals. It's called mental illness for a reason because it's a illness in your head. Um, yeah, I completely agree with um, what Sam said. What's really hard is... Sometimes people can just seem a little bit off because they're trying so hard to make it seem like they're okay. Even if they're not aware that they are depressed or have a mental illness, like maybe you're just feeling down and you're trying to convince yourself that it'll end at the end of the day. And so signs that, that I remember my parents pointing out to me was that I didn't want to hang out with um, my best friends. I didn't want to carry on conversations. I I never really wanted to come out of my room. And I'm an active person. I like staying busy. I can't focus in class unless I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm always busy. And the lowest point it ever got for me was I just, I laid down in my bed and I just put the covers over my head and I didn't do anything. And that's when my parents were like, Alrighty, we gotta get you some help. I had communicated with them beforehand, but that was the turning point where like, okay, maybe we need to like find some alternative methods to just, you know, yoga and personal mantras or you know, school counselors. I think like if you're kind of looking for signs for people in your life, I think a big thing is kind of having paying attention. I think paying attention is a big thing because people can slip away like really slowly. Like it's not going to be like one day they're talking to you like normal and then the next day they're super sad. It's going to be like this quiet thing where you slowly just kind of stop noticing them. So I think it's important to pay attention and make sure that those people know that you're paying attention to them because it could be really easy to just miss the signs of depression. Annie, you bring up a really, really good point that I want to emphasize a little bit here is there's a difference in being down and having a bad day and being depressed. And I think you all are doing a really good job of explaining that difference. Sam, you want to put a little point on that? It's not just being sad. It's also feeling that you're not all there. The first sign I had with my personal struggle with depression was when I told my dad after we came back from a vacation, I don't feel at home. I don't feel like I ever left and I don't feel well. Wow. That actually speaks a lot 
to that feeling of where you just don't feel right in your body. Does that resonate for folks? That sense of just not feeling right in your body? That's and I really appreciate the 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 power in that statement because that really right there depression is a mental illness and it's something that impacts not only your mind but it impacts your heart your spirit your soul your physical being you don't feel like moving you feel you can feel like you're stuck in concrete you can feel uh, overwhelmed by the very littlest things and I want to talk a little bit more when we get into our next session about how we cope with that and what are the things that we can do and what are some strategies that we could give to people who might think that they're dealing with depression. And we'll get into those when we come back on our episode of Talk To Be Well. I know you, you're a special one. Some Crazy where I see love You fall so low but so, so high Big dreamers shoot for open sky Yeah. 
We're back with Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, with a reminder that if you or someone you know is struggling, please call Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text TEEN to TEEN at 839-863. That's TEEN, the number two, TEEN. Now let's get back to our conversation about depression. We were starting to talk about coping mechanisms and Mackenzie has chimed in on Facebook and said, you know, I'm struggling with feeling depressed and I'm trying to figure out how do I cope with that during my school day when it feels kind of overwhelming and not everybody knows that I'm depressed. I'm wondering if you all could share some of the strategies you know about coping with depression. I don't want to make assumptions about everybody's life. I know everyone is born into different situations. The one thing that really helped me that really kind of blew the fog away just enough so that I could see the road ahead was like I talked to my parents but I have a really good relationship with my parents. If you're someone who does not have a really good relationship with your parents maybe a best friend, a best friend's parents, an aunt or an uncle, grandparents, neighbors, literally anyone maybe even just your doctor or a teacher or a counselor literally just anyone that you can share that side of yourself with and it was really hard for me to talk about it in the beginning because talking about it made it real and talking about it made me feel like something was wrong with me and so when I talked to my parents they they ended up uh, telling me that I could like call them at any point during the day and they would set me up with doctors at my local doctor place and um I love that. Doctors at my local doctor place. I, I think that's the best. I, I think that's the best way. Uh, but I hear what you're saying in here. So talking, talking is, is one great coping strategy. Even if it just sucks, even if it's just so, so terrible and you're crying through the entire thing, that's the first step. You gotta tell someone. You have to tell someone. There are three people who I would talk to when I'm depressed First is someone who has learned and trained on how to take care of people with mental illness. Second one is an adult or supervisor who has knowledge and knows what you're going through. Make sure that you trust them with this information. And then third is a friend who you know you can trust and who you know could be there to listen to you and maybe even comfort you because just speaking can help but the last two people you have to be careful because they may get overwhelmed well i was gonna say like sometimes it's hard to it's hard in your specific situation to find someone to talk to like i know in my experience i have immigrant parents and they don't really understand the whole like mental illness thing so it was really hard for me to finally talk to them and I spent a long time just kind of keeping it to myself but kind of a way that helped me cope is I found a place in school that could be like my place to take a breather so like I'm really close with my art teacher so I was like can I just go into your little art closet and just like take a moment there when I need it and she just didn't ask any questions and she let me like have that place so I think it's important if you aren't ready to talk to someone to find something that you can hold on to, especially when those eight hours at school seem like they're going on forever and that you can't make it. You just got to find like that one thing that you can have to hold on to and know that is your go-to. 
Yeah, I totally agree with all the coping mechanisms everyone has stated for school because school itself is a very different environment than like being at home. So those strategies aren't going to be the same. And I just want to do a quick shout out to whether you're depressed or you're not depressed. I think it's really important to acknowledge how much of a difference it can make in someone's day if you simply like say hello or like acknowledge that they're there. Like it's so important like in the halls like don't just ignore people you don't know. Don't just like go into conversations with like preconceived notions like for a depressed person like just saying like hi to somebody even if like you don't know them has like the ability to like turn someone's day from like the worst day of their lives to like slightly better and that's worth it in itself. Becky, you make a really, really good point. We all have the power to help save a life, to help be there for someone else, because the most important thing that we can do is listen. And when you ask somebody how they are and say, you know, how are you doing? Be prepared to sit there for more than I'm fine. Uh, We have a word (laughs) that says fine means I'm frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. It's not an answer you get to have. Yeah, and going off of both yours and Becca's testimonies, you have no idea how many times just someone smiling at me in the hallways, like like not one of those like small little show your pursed lips smiles, but the full on like, wow, I'm so freaking happy to see you right now. Oh my goodness, that is just the best feeling. And sometimes, because... um. When you're depressed, you, you're not, like, you can be fine sometimes. And it's always just a nice little break to get out of that head fog. And when someone just smiles at you like that, it's such a good feeling. But I also want to comment on your um, suggestion of, of we all have the capability to save a life. And um, I think one of the stigmas in depression is that you have to be suicidal. And uh, for me, that is definitely not the case. Like I said before, um, I wasn't suicidal, but I just didn't want to live. And sometimes people don't even get that far. And that's okay. You're valid. You're so valid. Like, as long as you just don't feel good, as you know, you are valid. And um, I think it's really important that we kind of shatter that stigma, especially in the young people and the old people who can't speak up speak up because you know of social norms it's very very important that we know that everyone is valid in their own feelings um. on that if you are feeling depressed and there's nobody to talk about listen to this congrats you have made it this far and you have so much experience and so much to give to the world and you ha- and although you have given a lot and I am 100% positive that you have you just need to keep on giving then your life will get better I'm wondering if someone who's got some of our youth line experience wants to talk a little bit about how do you talk with somebody on the youth line when they tell you that they're depressed what are some of the strategies you give them I mean there are very typical um, signs that we get on youth line when people are experiencing depression and I want to make it very clear, Youthline cannot diagnose a mental illness and we are not therapists. So we are totally there to listen to what's happening and give you suggestions and work with you to figure out what you can do for that moment in time to make yourself feel better. But it's a really great resource, so anyone should reach out. But um, I think a lot of the common signs are someone will say they feel empty or hopeless or isolated. Pretty much anything that just seems like they feel lonesome at the time is a sign and there's a bunch of different coping factors that I like to suggest 
some are some are journaling because if people don't necessarily have somebody in their life that they feel like they can talk to, it can be really helpful to get all of your ideas and your thoughts on a piece of paper or like a voice memo. It's like sometimes just hearing yourself and what you're thinking in your head can like really make the difference between like recognizing what's going on with you. Um, others are like taking a drive, listening to music. Um, maybe you're just like really pissed at the world today, like punching a pillow, like anything you can do to like release all that built up sadness or hopelessness inside of you. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think like another thing that I've done is sometimes people feel like there's nothing that can help them stay safe. And a suggestion would be kind of helping them find someone that they can kind of just be with. Like they don't have to talk about how they're feeling right then, but just someone to sit with, watch TV, anything, because just having like another person in your presence, and it could be like a pet too, like a dog or a cat or any other pet, like a snake, I don't know. Um, But just having another person, another presence there that like that can do something for someone. And I think that's an important route to go if everything else seems too difficult at that moment. Thank you. I really want to highlight if you are struggling with depression, we've been talking a lot about some of the signs, symptoms, and coping strategies. Youthline is there for you. Call 1-877-968-8491. These are specially trained youth peer counselors who know how to talk with you. They're there with you. They do have, for people who, who may need help because they're actively suicidal in the moment, they are connected to folks who can get you help right now in real time. And it's a wonderful resource that we're very fortunate to have all across this country. So I want to thank you both for your service at Youthline. It's an amazing, an amazing, amazing resource. And we're going to take another quick break here at Talk To Be Well. Like a shot, thought that I could chase you with a cold evening. Let a couple years water down how I'm feeling about you. And every time we talk, every single word builds up to this moment. And I gotta convince myself I don't want it, even though I do. You could break my heart in two, but when it heals, it beats for you. I know it's forward, but it's true. I wanna hold you when I'm not supposed to When I'm lying close to someone else You're stuck in my head And I could get you out of it If I could do it all again I know I'd go back to you Overthinking every word and I hate it cause it's not me And what's the point of hiding? Everybody knows we got unfinished business And I'll regret it if I didn't say this isn't what it could be You could break my heart in two But when it heals it beats for you I know it's forward but it's true Go back to you. 
Talk to Be Well is back with our panelists from Youthline and Work to Be Well Student Advisory Council. We are talking about depression, and I think it's important to note a Pew Research study recently found that 70% of teens aged 13 to 17 today see anxiety and depression as a major problem among their peers, and they often appear together. So it's very common for depression to be part of another illness like diabetes or an eating disorder or something else like that. I'm wondering... Grace, what does that make you think of? Well, just a quick disclaimer. It is so um, not advised and very dangerous to self-diagnose. The internet is a terrible place to pretend to be a doctor. Um, So for me, I had anxiety. And my anxiety was like borderline paranoia. So I made it a hobby of mine to diagnose myself on the internet. And uh, I came up with so many obscure diseases. I thought I had cancer at one point and it, you know, and that doesn't make sense at all looking back on it. Um, so many, so many um, wrong diagnoses. Uh, and when I ended up talking to my parents, I took a teenager test that they give you at the doctors. Now it's required. And, uh, I scored like a four out of five on the major depression scale. And it was very, very shocking because I just thought that I was nervous, just thought that I was like neurotic. And they were like, yeah, no, we're going to connect you with someone and we just like you to talk about it. And I'm like, this is not needed. I'm just nervous. And they were like, okay, you might be feeling nervous, but these other feelings that you are also having, it's not just because you're nervous. It's not just because you get the butterflies in your stomach. It's because you can't breathe. It's because you're so afraid to step outside. You're afraid that a meteor is going to crash right into your house in the middle of the suburbs and it's going to get you, you know? And um, so uh, going through many, many diagnoses, they um, diagnosed me with like general anxiety disorder and then OCD and then anxiety-induced OCD, and then major depression, and then displacement disorder, I think it's called, um, which was like the holy trifecta, all three of them. And at this point, you know, uh, I've just, I've come to terms with the fact that giving it a label isn't any more validating than just understanding what it is that you're feeling. I get anxious. I get panic attacks. I know I have anxiety. I've been diagnosed by a medical professional. I'm aware that I have OCD. I've been diagnosed by a medical professional but I don't clean my room religiously. I don't color organize things. And I've been diagnosed by a medical professional to have major depression. But that, again, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily depressed. I, oh, I mean, suicidal. It doesn't mean that I'm suicidal. Um, and I just want to make it clear that putting yourself in a box might not always be the best thing. So if you think that you're depressed and you're, you're treasure hunting on the internet looking for what might be wrong with you, it's not always going to make you feel better. It's always just good to identify what it is you're feeling and use the coping mechanisms that you've learned just for that time and moment. So some of you participated in passing a bill this last year in Oregon that allows students to take a mental health day. And that was awesome and really powerful. But there were a lot of critics who came out on social media and other places and said, you know, People sometimes just need to pick themselves up by their bootstraps or they're faking it. What do you say to people when they say depression, you know, isn't real? Just come on, get up, let's go. I mean, it's called a mental health day for a reason. That does not mean like a mental illness day. So if you think your mental health is not where it needs to be, like 
I don't think anyone has the right to judge you for why you need to take a day to just have to yourself and kind of reposition and like recollect and reflect on yourself. I think that's totally fine. And it's, it's a hard topic when we start talking about like attention seeking and like you're depressed or you are not because we don't know what's happening in anybody else's mind. I don't think it's our decision to determine those things. And I also just wanted to bring up like, I think what's so great about our generation is that we're really working to break these stigmas and have these conversations. But I think in doing that, it's becoming such a discussed topic, which is great. But I think you can be depressed and it is totally valid to not want to post about it on your Instagram and tell everybody at your school and tell all your friends. Like you are still just as depressed as someone might be who likes to use that to their power and like be vocal with that. And I think I see something that's very commonly happening where like, and for depressed people, if you're watching these people who are very vocal about it, get all this attention, then that's also just feeding into the notion that like you don't have that and you're not worthy. So I just want to like call out to those people who like, struggle silently too. We have another question on social here. Sandy wants to know, how do I ask my friend if they're depressed? And and what's a good way to ask that? Annie, how would you ask somebody if they're depressed? Um, I think it's just good to point out something that is off about them. Like I know the first time someone asked me if I was depressed, my friend was like, how are you doing? And then I was like, I just feel kind of weird. And she's like, you always use weird when you're feeling off on a day. And I was like, thinking about it and I was like wow like someone noticed so I think it's important to kind of you don't have to outright ask someone like are you feeling depressed because that can be like a lot to just put on someone and I know like it was really hard for me to admit it to myself at first but just kind of pointing out that maybe you seem a little bit off or like are you okay something going on is like an important way and a good way to start a conversation with that person without making them feel like this is this big huge thing that's super different and super kind of awkward in our in our friendship instead turn it into something kind of casual and still comfortable between the two of you so Becca how would you ask a friend if if they're depressed I think everyone covered in terms of like how to approach that conversation I kind of want to bring up during that conversation I think it's really really important even if you yourself experience depression mental illness when that person is trying to tell you how they feel not saying things like, oh, yeah, that totally happens to me or like, yeah, like I experience that all the time. Like that's really invalid. Even if you do see the experience those things, you don't experience those emotions in the same way as the person who's talking to you. So it's really important to be there to listen, to understand what's happening, not being there to just respond to what they're saying. So keep that in mind, too. That's a really great point. We're going to go to another break here, our last break before uh, we close up today. And during our last segment, we're going to flip the tables and the students are going to get an opportunity to ask me some questions. So we'll be right back. This is Talk To Be Well. I just wanna let you know I'm proud. 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 I just
And we're back with Talk to Be Well. It's time to turn the tables. And our volunteers from Youthline and the Be Well Student Advisory Council, it's your turn to ask me the questions. So, Annie. I was wondering, like, what advice do you have for helping out a friend who's on medication for depression is kind of having some bad side effects to it, whether that's like mental or physical? So all medications have side effects of some kind or another when we're introducing a chemical into our body. And antidepressants are no different. Many antidepressants have side effects that include things like dry mouth, sleepiness, um, not being sleepy, um, weight gain, weight loss, just about everything. I think we've all seen those commercials. But some of the side effects that we don't talk about very often are antidepressants can also have a side effect of making you suicidal. Especially when you start to get enough energy and lift out of there, that can be a side effect. Psychosis can also be a side effect. But with any side effect, the first thing you need to encourage a friend to do is to talk to their doctor. Talk to the prescribing person who gave it to them. Don't stop taking an antidepressant just because you're starting to feel side effects because most antidepressants need to be tapered. And what I mean by tapering is if you're going to come off an antidepressant before you go on to something else or even stop using it altogether, you need to actually do that under your doctor, under your physician, under your prescriber's care where they cut the dose down and stepwise it. Going off something cold turkey doesn't work, especially with antidepressants. So please, I would encourage your friend to talk with their medical professional. If they don't know their doctor, uh, they can always go talk with their school nurse, and perhaps their school nurse can help hook them up with someone. What is your opinion on the use of antidepressants? Should it be used at extreme cases, and anything lower should just be sort of... There are other ways that don't involve medical use? Really great question. We know that there's a lot of antidepressants out there. I think there are some studies that say 13% of the population is on an antidepressant at this point. And like everybody, all of us are unique individuals. We all have unique compositions. We're at different stages in our lives. Um, when you're an adolescent, you're in the middle of puberty, which there's a whole pile of hormones out at you. So for some people, antidepressants are part of what they need, and it doesn't really matter the severity of their depression. They can be mildly depressed. They can be extremely depressed. It's not really that type of a range. It's really what works best for them. For some people, they are able to manage with exercise and talk therapy. Studies do show that the best management of depression is a combination of talk therapy with a really good therapist and some form of antidepressant. But again, everybody is unique. So what a study shows may not apply to you. For many people, they're able to manage their depression through diet, exercise, therapy, lifestyle changes, all those types of other things, and they never go down the road of antidepressants. But for many people, they do need antidepressants, and maybe they only need them for a few months. Just because you're taking antidepressants at one point in your life doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take them for the rest of your life. That's why it's really good to keep a relationship with your medical professional. And again, if you're having side effects or you don't feel the benefits of the medication, talk with the prescribing person. Don't just keep that to yourself. They want to know that. I had a recent incident with a young person who decided that they were having side effects. So instead of talking to their prescriber, they just stopped taking their medication. That's not a good thing. That actually can have some pretty bad impact, especially in somebody who's going through puberty. I had a question about kind of characterizing different types of depression because that can show up in different ways. So can you speak to 
how depression is like a range of different types of depression? Absolutely. Depression goes from everything from situational depression that could happen because you've had an acute stressor in your life, maybe a death in the family, maybe a death of a beloved pet. But it's some type of an acute stressor that creates that situational depression. We sometimes call that an adjustment disorder to kind of a low-grade depression that we'll call a a dysthymic disorder, which is really kind of that low-level chronic depression uh, has not quite reached the level of a major depressive episode. To go all the way to a major depressive episode, which may require more significant intervention, especially like the medications we were just talking about, and can even have what we call psychotic features. One of the hallmarks of major depression at times, especially in young people, can be that sense of being outside of your body, being mildly psychotic, having those feelings of of not really feeling that you're in your body, or hearing voices or hearing other types of things. Those are normal signs of depression. They are scary. They are definitely signs that you need to talk with your parents, with a teacher, with a trusted adult, or your medical professional. Because those are things that we need to know so that we can help get the right appropriate treatment for you. But depression also can be just the blues. You've heard people talk about postpartum depression and the baby blues, we call that. Two very, very different things. When you have a baby, that's going to be a stressful time. You're going to have some of those lifestyle adjustment changes. But postpartum depression is a real thing, and it's generally caused by a hormonal imbalance that is very, very treatable and something that we need to watch for. A lot of media describes mental health in visual or readable form. Do you have any certain types of media that you would suggest for people who do not have mental illness to go and check out and sort of figure out how to understand it? Our friends at Lines for Life have a really great website where they've curated lots of great resources about all kinds of mental health issues. You can find their website at www.linesforlife.org. And on their website, they have age-appropriate things for young people, things for veterans, things for adults, things for seniors. But they really are a trusted place that I often use myself to help with people finding resources and information at a variety of different levels to read. Another great place, especially for adolescents, that I go is the American uh, Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the American Academy of Pediatrics. These are places that have very trusted websites. But there's also a lot of great information at... NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, they offer a lot of supportive resources for families uh, and for people who live with people with mental illness. So the internet, while being a place that has a lot of stuff that isn't that great, has a lot of really good trusted resources as well. I know we kind of chimed into this earlier about the difference between depression and sadness, but as like a professional, how would you describe that difference? I think you all said it really, really well, that feeling of being and it was something that grace talked about of just feeling like you can't even move like you can't get out of bed that all you want to do is pull your covers over your head and sink into the concrete the feeling that you've lost hope that's one of the biggest indicators of depression if i can't find my hope then that's a place where i know for me i'm i'm sinking into depression and that's very different than sadness I think it's one thing to, you know, if you find yourself crying at the Hallmark movie marathon that happens over the holidays, we all kind of do that. We all kind of cry during those sad movies. But if you can't stop crying and move away from that, that's a big sign of a difference between sadness and depression. Uh, The inability to feel also 
can be a sign of depression. When you realize that you should be feeling something and there's just nothing there. That's one of the clinical signs also that we look for. But a lot of it has to do with that inability to function throughout the day. The changes that happen in your daily life where you realize that today, you know, in six months ago, I was jogging three times a week. I was um, out doing my, you know, social life. I was going to school. I was energized. And three months later, I'm not able to get up in the morning to go to school. I've lost my appetite. I don't feel like engaging with my friends. I've stopped running. All those other types of things. It's not just an hour. It's not just a day. It's not just a week. It's a period of time. But anytime that you're seeing those changes, and I think this is another important thing to address, adolescence is a tough time. You have hormones racing through your system all the time, and they're bringing up different types of issues. There's new feelings. There's all kinds of issues with relationships. Please see our podcast on relationships. It was actually really quite well done at Talk To Be Well. But all those types of hormones can bring on depression, stress, anxiety, and things that we've talked about. And that's perfectly normal. What's not normal is when that doesn't stop. As a mental health professional, what would you say to encourage people to reach out who are kind of feeling hesitant about going to a therapist or a psychiatrist about what they're going through? I think the first place to reach out always is to your primary care doctor. When you go see your primary care doctor and say, you know, I'm just not feeling right, this is part of why, especially in adolescence, we encourage an adolescent well visit every year. And you'll find they're going to ask you, they're going to give you that handout that says, are you depressed? And you're going to check them off and go, yes, yes, no, no, yes. Many primary care clinics, especially in the state of Oregon, and especially through Providence, have embedded psychologists or other mental health professionals right there in primary care. And if you're checking four of those five and they're seeing that you've got signs of depression, you know, Dr. Strong is going to walk right in that room with you and have a conversation and it's a lot less threatening. But here's the other thing that we know. Sometimes depression or anxiety can be a sign of an actual physical illness. It can be a sign that maybe you have diabetes, or maybe you have some other type of physical health condition that hasn't been diagnosed. That's why it's really important to go see your doctor on a regular basis to be honest about how you're feeling and what you're feeling, because it may not be depression. It may actually be something else. Another good reminder, many of you play sports, and we have a lot that we hear about concussions and things like that, head injuries, getting hit in the head with a soccer ball, getting dropped on your head while cheerleading, any of those types of things that happen. Concussions can lead to all kinds of different things, including depression and anxiety. So if you have a head injury while you're playing sports or anything else, I remember I had a student who came into our concussion clinic and they literally had been sitting in their classroom, you know, with their chair a little bit off the ground and they fell over and smacked their head on the back of the ground. They'd never played a single sport, but they had a good concussion from leaning back in a chair and hitting their head. Those types of things are really important to follow up on. It's very important to report that, see that, talk about that. Also, if you're seeing changes in your sleep pattern, and it's not just one night I couldn't sleep, it's all the time that you can't sleep or that you're oversleeping. That's another really big one. Those are really good things to talk with your doctor about. So we've got time for just one more question. Who wants to take us out? So what roles do you think schools and teachers should have in helping children with their mental health? I think schools and teachers are the most important place for being first identifiers, first responders for student mental health. I think it's highly important that we provide more funding for educations, 
uh, for educators to be able to have mental health professionals right there in the school. Because last time I checked, you spend six to eight hours a day in school, and these are the people who see you and know you best. We need to resource that appropriately so students can not only learn about mental illness, learn about mental health, learn about wellness, learn how to deal with stigma. And that's what I'm really proud of the Be Well Student Advisory Council for being a big proponent of and for leading stigma-busting events in your schools every day. But teachers and school staff are right there on the front lines, and they're the first ones to see. I always encourage teachers to talk to the school counselor if you're worried about someone, to have them reach out to parents at home and to say, hey, we're really worried about Mandy. She's not, you know, she seems depressed in class. We're seeing these types of things. I think that that's our front line, and that's where we've got to really put some resources in the future. I want to give a big thank you to our panelists today from Youthline and from the Be Well Student Advisory Council. You've been amazing while we've talked about depression. And I want to remind everybody that was listening and sending in your questions. Talk to Be Well is an ongoing podcast with all kinds of different topics that our teens and Dr. Robin will take on over time. Remember that if you're struggling with depression or you know someone who isn't struggling with depression, please reach out to Youthline at 1-877-968-8491 or text TEEN to TEEN to 893-863. Again, that's TEEN, the number two, TEEN. We look forward to a future conversation on more mental health topics. If you miss the show, you can replay it on most major podcast platforms and share it with your friends. We'll be back again with a new podcast talking about mental health. And if you've got some suggestions, please like our Facebook page and tell us what you'd like to talk about on Talk To Be Well. 